You're listening to Brick to the Future, the property investment show for everyday Australians. We cut through the white noise so you can minimise risk and make smart, informed investment decisions. If you're after tips and strategies while building a property portfolio that suits your lifestyle, you're in the right place. Welcome back. Cam McClellan here. I've got uh, Matt Lewis and Matt, how are you, Louis? Yeah, good. Thanks, Cam. Good to see you again. Yeah, we're uh, we're all still pumping this lockdown factor around Australia, mate. But uh, you guys are out of it at the moment in Brizzy, is that right? What lockdown? Was there a lockdown? Yeah, yeah, good one. Very funny. I'm Victoria. Uh, no, all good. I, uh, how much is enough? I want to get right to the point today. We've um, often get asked when people are investing in property, and a lot of people promote investing as property as a way to get wealthy. But it always amazes me that people don't have that end vision in mind of what they want to achieve. So I want to talk today quickly about how you understand where your current position is and what path that's financially going to take you down and then what sort of options people might have to understand the changes they can do uh, make financially to give them potential outcomes down the track or different potential outcomes down the track. Um, so if I think about the way our investment consultants sit down with people and the way I did it to start with was to look at what I needed financially down the track. Now, mine was always 15 years down the track. I, I knew I, I was you know, in my 20s, early 20s when I started really mapping this out. So I knew I had till the age of 40 was really my goal, but I wanted to do it faster. So I looked at how much ASAT I had, so how much I had in investments. And at that point in time, was only a bit of superannuation and then mapped it out um, you know, using a calculator. You can use the uh, power to the Y and compound what those returns are going to be with uh, additional amounts invested into your super plus the compounding returns to know what your super is going to be in hypothetically 10 years, 15 years. Um, most people usually find that if they've got their own home, for example, some superannuation, might have a small amount of shares, if they do that compounding um, and calculation to see what they're going to be worth in 10 or 15 years, it's usually a pretty scary point. Considering most people want to have a similar income than they are earning at that point in time, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. I think most, and most people, whatever, when you start your journey, your uh, costs and everything you're going to be incurring over the next 15, 20 years, you're probably going to go up, aren't they? Like yeah. your lifestyle changes and you tend to get more expensive taste as you go. Yeah, sadly, we are, we're not all part of the fire movement and want to uh, trim back, although it's, that's not a bad way to go to get there. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, so my goal was always 100000 in um, passive income to be able to achieve the lifestyle I wanted. Um, so I knew that the small amount of money in superannuation as a 20-year-old um, wasn't going to get me there. So I'd started looking at investing in property. And the Excel spreadsheets we used to run back in the day, if you remember, were all about what the com compound growth is, um, what the compounding interest increase is, what interest rates can do, and then what inflation uh, impact is going to be to the ever-decreasing amount of worth of our dollar. So once people understand how to map that out, and we're happy to provide a goal sheet that people can work out their own you know, mini financial plan themselves. We're not uh, licensed to create financial plans, um, but people can go and do that for themselves. Then once they've done that, Matt, or talk us through some of the things, if you've got any further detail on the fine tuning of how to map that out, but more about what sort of options they might have once they realise that 99% of the people realise that what the current path they're on is not going to give them that income down the track you know i reckon it's it's funny when i started out i used to map 
like this um, blue sky thing. I didn't have an end in mind. It was just look at how big this pie can get. Forever, yeah. Um, yeah, wow, it's scary. And it almost makes it un, unrealistic and unachievable because you go, wow, that's just nuts, isn't it? Um, so starting with the end in mind is, was obviously absolutely critical and something that I learned along the way. Um, and I think you and Al were always much better at kind of setting your targets at achievable and working towards them methodically, whereas I was I always had big, big dreams and would just do what I could when I could instead of uh, having that focus. So yeah, I think that that's really key, like making sure you know what you want. My dad used to say that he wanted to have five properties, four to pay the bills and, and one to live off that was kind of clear. Um, then as he kind of went through his journey, it changed. It became seven and then it became 10 yeah. Yeah. As, uh, as I guess his his lifestyle changed changed with it. So, um, so, yeah, I think absolutely have a starting point, but also revisit regularly. Um, it's like, uh, like, and again, we use, can use sports analogies, but if you are aiming to run like a, if you're a, um, if you're a long distance runner, you're aiming, aiming to run four minute Ks and you run four minute Ks, does that mean that your journey ends or do you then say, I want to run three minute 50 Ks and you kind of set a plan to get to that. So, so there's obviously things in terms of planning and goal setting that's important, but probably just as important is having the, the, the compass, the checkpoints along the way. Like if you know where you are today, that's something a lot of people get wrong. They don't actually look at their assets and liabilities and their, income and expenses to know exactly where they are today. So if you, but if you, once you know where you are today and you know where you want to get to with all of those things, then you can set a plan to get from A to B. And that's obviously where people who have done it before are the keys to, because they're going to help you with the plan. You then need to follow the plan and you need to do checkpoints, health checks, see where you are along the way. So if you're going off course, you can correct it and get back on the in line with your plan to, to achieve your goals. And they're probably some of the key things that I reckon is important to to achieving it. But to come back to the how much is enough um, question, I think, as I said, it's kind of like a moving feast that as you go along and your lifestyle changes, you need to be making sure that you're adjusting. But ultimately, do we all live for a, for a piece of paper that says how much our net wealth is? Don't think so. That gives you about five minutes of joy when you hit a target and you go, oh, wow, that's amazing. The reality is it's your income that's going to make or break your your lifestyle in the future Correct. and your ability to have a great um, great retirement or even pre-retirement. Um, so that's, I guess, where the plan really um, really should focus. And a lot of people kind of miss that um, when they're setting their plan out. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's every 12 months we reset um, clients' goals um, just to see whether their lifestyle's changed, uh, see whether their end position or requirements changed. I know that people go through different stages of life and mine to start with was I was earning 22 grand a year when I first started investing. Um, after a couple of years of work, I was earning a hundred grand a year and all of a sudden being Aussies, you just spend more, you increase your lifestyle. So my passive target went from, you know, I think it was uh, 30 grand a year to hundred, hundred grand a year. Um, so all those, yeah, your end requirement changes. And then once I had kids, one of my current requirements is, which I've got currently for the kids is I'm holding about a million dollar portfolio for them. Um, so that'll be worth two in another 10 years. They can you know, sell that, pay the tax on it. And they've got about 200 grand each to go and use as a deposit. Cause that's what deposits are going to be in 10 years time quite, mm-hmm. you know, quite easily. So those sort of things need to get taken into account how much money you want to spend on holidays per year. Um, 
So you're right. It's the reasons for investing that become really important, not just I want a dollar figure. So what are all the things you want to do? And a lot of clients say they want a nest dig or they want to be able to travel around Australia. Um, so it's just – and it's funny because some people with really high incomes might be earning household 200K a year plus often say they don't need that money when they go into retirement. They might need 100K, you know, but they want to be free of those, uh, you know, the assets that drag you down, the the, the bad debt. So I think um, insuring and, and a lot of the structure comes around downsizing and downsizing their own home, downsizing their portfolio and moving it into other other assets that might produce a higher income. Talk us through some of the options there that we work through with clients. Yeah, so I think, I mean, so in terms of options that you have at the back end, so obviously people might think of um, having a portfolio size and net wealth or whatever on income. You forget that obviously if you're burning money on your principal place of residence, paying a mortgage, that kind of can chew up the positive income you might be getting out of your investment portfolio. Right. It's a whole other story talking about good debt versus bad debt. And that doesn't mean you don't have a principal place of residence, but obviously in terms of setting out a plan, like one of the key milestones for most investors is along the lines of becoming financially secure or financially independent. Um, so there's obviously different levels of financial independence. We talked about that in our last, last podcast as well. Um, but obviously the first point is being able to take a break from work and still be able to pay the bills, right? Like that's kind yeah. of like the, the first one to go, well, if I can get to that level and I know I could have a year without, without working, well, that, that's kind of a, yeah. um, a key milestone for most people. But ultimately, what makes the biggest difference in the equation, obviously, you can build up your income, but if your expenses go with it, to come right. back to your point, I used to, I used to share with three mates in a house in Fortitude Valley um, where I paid about 120 bucks a week rent. I then moved in with my girlfriend who became my wife and we started paying $600 a week rent. Then we moved into another house where we were still renting, we were paying more. Was my life any better? From Did I, have a, did I sleep better at night having, having a more expensive place? No. So I guess as you go along the journey, your expenses will change, but you might not necessarily notice improvements in your life. Um, But the underlying thing is you need to get to a point where you can cover your bills and still keep your head above water. Then you need to get to a point where you're obviously not just covering your bills, you're continuing to save through your income. And once you get to the point where you can do that, it doesn't matter what your income is, it's going to continue to grow forever. Um, So... I guess in terms of turning your assets into an income, and I think this is where a lot of people perhaps miss, um, miss opportunities is, and this is something I went through with my dad about 10, 11 years ago, he had a big property portfolio. As I said, he went from wanting five properties to wanting seven to wanting 10, and he beat all of those goals, but he didn't have an income that he could live off. And it was because he continued to just buy property. Um, and that was what he did. And he did well and he could see his, his wealth going up, but it wasn't converting to income. And this is obviously where a lot of our strategy also got honed into three phases of, of the strategy of acquisition phase of the whole buying as many properties as you can hold while you're in really strong earnings phase. Then the holding phase, basically stop buying property, let the asset value go up, let the rents go up, don't let the debt go up. Um, and if possible, from your surplus income, pay down the debt and yeah. start by paying down the debt on your principal place of residence if you can. Because that obviously, once you've cleared your principal place of residence debt, then that means obviously that's no longer a burden on you. Um, So then obviously you're just benefiting from the surplus income from the properties. And if you've been through that hold phase for about 10 years, which should give you over the 20-year cycle from 
the acquisition phase and the hold phase, two to three property cycles or property markets that you might be going through. Um, then you've got a lot of doors open to you, don't you? Because you could sit there and continue to let your income go up on those properties or you could reposition your wealth. And by repositioning the wealth, we talk about, and this is what my dad went through, um, selling down his assets or some of the assets, putting the equity to work in other areas where he was generating a strong income but didn't have the debt. And that was the thing for him. He wanted to clear off all of his debt. Yep. And then once he'd cleared off all of his debt, he knew he was going to have a really strong income that would just keep going up forever. So obviously that meant for him putting his money into, um, into funds where he was able to generate an income from the fund. He stayed in, stayed in property. And this is obviously where Resi Fund comes from. It was like my, my dad built his wealth and property. He loves property. He's not going to go and start investing in industrial um, stuff or shopping centers. He doesn't understand them. He doesn't want to buy airports. Yeah, still wants his money invested in residential property where it's generating an income for him um, and still going up in value. So that's obviously where things like Resi Fund come into play for, for investors who can transition out of having a big like wealth on paper. They might have two or $3 million worth of equity and their income relative to that might be 3%, being able to convert that into something where they don't have debt, their income's 4 5%, and they have a bit more liquidity of the asset. So- yeah. So, yeah, so there's obviously a lot of things you can do at that end of the, the tail, but the starting point, obviously, get your plan right to start with and work out what you're working towards. Yeah, I think you're right. It's it's amazing the um, – and I think you hit the nail on the head. When when I was first investing, it was it was literally a race to see how many properties I could get. Yeah. Um, a lot of people think that it is the more properties you get, the wealthier you're going to be, um, but there does get to a point where you're limited by income – or equity growth on how, how fast you can grow your portfolio. But what was really surprising when we started modeling more and more of our clients' um, requirements as far as how many investments they need, um, a lot of people, you know, it might be four, five properties. Some people, depending on the stage of life, might only need three. You know, if they've already got yeah. a large portion of their home paid off and they've just got another 10 years or 15 years that they want to really make a difference to it, three properties can make a huge difference to your end net wealth position. So everyone's slightly different, um, but it does require that mapping out at the start to go, what time frame have I got? What amount of dollar of passive income do I need? If I do nothing else but what I do now, what's that going to be be like? So, and that's a pretty basic equation. Which, if anyone needs assistance with doing that, OpenCorp can help you do that. Um, but then, once you understand what that um, position is, your current the path you're currently on, then it's a matter of assessing: Do I have any spare income that I, or equity that I can put towards an asset that would make a difference? And how much time have I got? Once they can see those two paths, then you're right. Then you bring in and go. All right, well, you've got options. At the start of your investment journey, if you've got access to that extra income and equity to build a portfolio in the time frame, and then you've got a number of different options at the back end of it to, to get the income to where you want. So there's a bit of manoeuvring around to do, but I think um, if you don't do that, you're really you're flying blind and shouldn't be investing at all. Yeah, well, it's one of those things, isn't it? If you just if you I mean, first of all, if you're taking action, often that can be a good thing. But if you're taking action on the wrong things because you don't know where you're going, you don't have a plan to get there you actually end up a lot further off track. So yeah, uh, yeah, definitely start with the plan. And if you don't really know how to make that plan, um, obviously there's people who can help you with that. And particularly people who like our team have been through it themselves personally, and then also helped hundreds and hundreds of other people each individually 
um, not just to make a plan, but to help them go towards that plan and monitor and see where things are going off and help them to get back on track. Like that, that type of um, insight that you can get from people who have done it hundreds and hundreds of times, like you couldn't replace. Chatting to your mate at a barbecue who's maybe thought about doing it once or twice, <laughs> but never actually taken any Correct. action is completely different kettle of fish and uh, can do more harm than good. But yeah. if you talk to experts, you you're going to be in a better position. Now, I know um, I'm probably talking out of school here and I don't want to give people the, the wrong impression, but um, I do want to give a bit of a, a trailer or a, a glimpse into the future. Um, I know that um, you and your tech team, Matt, with the analytics team are really working through uh, digitizing those end options for people. So with um, the client portal that's under construction at the moment after many years of planning, uh, looks to be about four months away, five months away from completion and say we're pushing Christmas. Um, but in that, you're going to have those models that people can put their current um, position in and then apply a few different exit strategies to see where it'll get them. That's what I believe is going to uh, be the back end of that for people. Yeah, thanks, Cam. Really appreciate you throwing me in this one. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So it's a model that we've had for quite a while and we're um, obviously we developed it personally. Um, what we've been working on is making it available to our clients so that obviously within the system knows if they keep the system up to date or the, the portal up to date with their portfolio, um, it'll know obviously their asset value, their, their rents, and it can project that out as well as model when new properties might be able to be purchased. Um, and we've kind of, we're looking at it on, 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 from two different directions. One is where does your current portfolio get you in the future? And the other is, what do you need to do to hit your goals? So you put your goals in and it obviously has, it's like a um, like a goal seek function. If anybody knows Excel, where that's not built in Excel, it's not necessarily goal seek because there's multiple goals, but you put in the goals and then it will tell you how many properties you need to buy and like windows of time of when you could do that to achieve yeah. your, your target income or equity or whatever it is with three different scenarios that you could use for, for each, I think it's a um, it's a one of a kind. I haven't come across anything like it in Australia. If, if I had, it would have saved me yeah. uh, countless hours uh, in development. But uh, but yeah, it's really exciting. I can't wait to see when that one gets rolled out and we start uh, start helping our clients with it. I reckon they'll be super excited. Yeah, and uh, we're we're obviously looking uh, for current clients who want to uh, go into a test phase of that in the coming months and put their portfolio in and uh, work through us with the test phase. So we'll, uh, we'll be making that available to some clients if they're um, keen to jump on board with that, um, make yourself known. Yeah, a lot, lot less scary than a vaccine test phase. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, saying that, go and get vaccinated. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Matt, uh, always a pleasure. Thanks for your time today and we'll uh, look forward to the next episode. Awesome. Thanks, Cam. Cheers, Bye. mate. Thank you for listening to Brick to the Future, powered by OpenCorp, Australia's leading property investment specialists. For more information on how we can help you build your financial future, contact us at opencorp.com.au.